death is only the beginning when you're listening to America's sandiest podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Fenrossum, and I got a big, fat American head sitting on a thick, strong American neck. (laughs) I'm the strongest neck this side of the Nile, Ben Sheets. Oh, baby, I hear the Santa calling to salads and sharelings. They're calling again. again. See, I thought you were going to make it three for three and do a, and, and do a neck joke. <laughs> but no, see, I, I did that joke because of Brandon Fraser. It's pronounced Fraser. Everyone always gets it wrong. Mm-hmm. Justice for Brendan Fraser. Ju- justice. Justice. Y'all remember like and, the and scrambled eggs. The two week <laughs> period uh, a few years back when that wide neck dude was like an internet phenomenon. I think so. Well, which wide neck dude? Well, you had like. The daddy long neck guy, and then you had the really wide neck guy. The dude with the neck that was like oh, wider yeah. than his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember. Or do I what, feel like? What about? I feel like every couple oh, of years. What happened to it? What happened? <laughs> I feel like every couple of years, the internet becomes fascinated by a gentleman with an extremely wide neck. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fairness, pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. What a good thick neck can do. <laughs> Speaking of fascinating necks, let's talk about the mummy. Let's talk about the mummy. This was your pick. Yes, God damn. You're taking us right. taking us back to our childhood. 1999. And, yeah, second week in a row that we're doing a film from 1999. This movie came out the same year as Existence, believe it or not. Oh, did it? Yeah, nailed it. Not we're, intentional. We're talking. We're talking about Stephen Sommers' remake of the Universal classic. The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, and a handful of great character actors, and some very dated CG. Mm. I gotta tell you, dated CG aside, they remade a classic into another classic. Yeah, this is a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny because I'm sure you both grew up with this movie watching it at a time. Yes. I actually didn't watch this movie for the first time until college. Um, my mom was kind of scared of horror movies growing up, so we didn't watch a ton of horror movies. And this was very much an adventure movie, first yes. and foremost. But I don't have the uh, sort of... You know, nostalgia for this movie that which you is, guys do, which but is fair. At the same time, I I do find it very fun and charming. You know, it it feels like uh, a spin on the Indiana Jones type of movie. Absolutely. You know, those '30s serialized adventure kind of stories. A swashbuckling good time. This yeah. is one of those movies that I just wore the VHS tape out of as a kid. I'm pretty I would play sure it, rewind it and play it again. I'm pretty sure I saw this movie for the first time on VHS at your house when oh, we were yeah. about 6 or 7, 8 years old. Yeah. I remember owning the sequel, The Mummy Returns on VHS, and I watched that one a lot. I don't remember why I had that one but not this one. Um so that one is is more sort of ingrained in my memory than this one is. But I did revisit this a couple of years ago. Um, and was pleasantly surprised with how well it's held up overall. Well, I can say 
I had not. I, I watched it over and over and over again as a kid. I loved this movie, but, like, all the way up through my teens and college years, I and well into my career now, like, I never came back to it. I always wanted to kind of save on it, and also I was a little worried it, it wouldn't have held up. And frankly, still great, still charming. It's a delightful movie. Yeah. We talk about it a lot, but this is another one of those movies that feels like it's from a truly bygone era of Hollywood. Yes. You know? Really some of the last. Yeah, really. I mean, I was I was really feeling on my boomer shit when we were watching this, being <laughs> like, God damn it, we used to be a real country and make real movies. Honestly, though. I mean, in the U.S., at least. Yes, you know, yes, like, of elements course. of it kind of reminded me, oddly enough, of movies like Triple R. Yeah. Where you have big set pieces yeah. mm-hmm. that are very spectacle heavy and exuberant. Well, and yeah, they I, feel tangible. Because I mean, I feel like this are. this sort of style of filmmaking is coming back around because we finally reached uh, the the sort of like Talk. natural endpoint of like the the MCU <coughs> sort of uh, school of filmmaking. Um, all of these sort of you know brown charmless CG slop fests um, without a, a, a practical set in sight. Um, and this movie's CG has not held up very well in most of uh, it, its uses. But, thankfully, a lot of actual sets, a lot of... Uh, Loads of practical. Practical effects, some, some fun makeup and costumes and props, and by God... It feels like a real movie. It feels like a real yeah, movie. Yeah, and I will say... With movie of, stars in it, too. Yeah. The the saving grace of a lot of the uh, CG effects not aging really well is the tone of this movie. Yes. It is a fun, you know, cartoonish, you know, very over-the-top sort it's of It's very drama. lighthearted, yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned in Indi- Indiana Jones, and it's very much in that same mm-hmm. sort of camp. Temple of yeah. Doom in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very quippy, very lighthearted, very swashbuckling. But still sincere. But still, yeah, totally. Not, not I, self-serious, but sincere. No, totally sincere, yeah. And and it works so well for it. Like, it, it frankly, it, it does, like, a really good job of maintaining that balance of sincerity and slapstick. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a, a bunch of sequences in this film that are just outright Looney Tunes. Yeah, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's great. Well, you, that's it's just fun. that's just how adventure you know movies used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, um, and and yeah, a, a lot of that stuff holds up really well. I think um, it, it's a very it's a very fun, not like super serious movie. You know, with some some. I'll call them decent horror elements. Maybe not necessarily very effective horror elements because they rely pretty heavily on some very, very smooth CG. Yeah, when I was but a kid, though. It was 1999. Yeah. Well, honestly, like, even as a kid for me, there were a couple of sequences that, that gave me the, the, the There's price. some stuff in this that scared me as a kid, for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, most of the stuff where he's, like, half-formed as a mummy... You know, and it's, like, mostly the actual actor. And then there's, like, the CG gross, nasty mouth that opens up and Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, even as a kid, I just thought that was cool and fun. And I think that's sort of why it worked. This movie was pretty successful. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, like, it's it's still pretty well-beloved and talked about. And not only just as, like, a cult horror movie, but as a family film. 
like, I would watch this with my dad, you know, and my mom and my sister, and, like, we we all, like, enjoyed this movie together. And I think that's a really tricky balance to hit. Um, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, like, working on a creep show title. Creep show is very similar in that respect. You know, like, it's 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 hokey, and it's fun, it's sincere and charming, and uh, it's... I feel like everyone can enjoy it's 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 horror that it's horror for everybody and I I appreciate that a lot frankly especially like just from like a uh, from a kid's perspective you know watching that film it gave you tools you know to work with scary shit and I, I think that's good well yeah I mean this is uh you know this is a universal uh picture um so they're always you know going for shooting for broad appeal um obviously this was pretty successful got a you know large budget sequel and then another sequel that we don't need to talk about <laughs> uh, we don't need to talk about tomb of the dragon emperor um no i saw that one in the theaters but uh I to revisit that also one. did get a uh i i don't know if i can't imagine that it's still there but for a long time, it did have uh, there. They had a, a ride at Universal Studios, the I Mummy ride. That. Did you? I did too. Yeah. Did you, Ben? Yeah, yeah. I've done it. I've done it at Universal California and Universal Orlando. Hey, yeah. um, but again, I I can't imagine that that ride is still part of the Universal Studios rotation. I haven't been to Universal well, in so since I was like at, uh, probably 13, 14 couple, years old. But... A couple years ago, they finally got rid of the Jaws ride. Which broke my heart hearing because I, I think what they got rid of the they got yeah. rid of the the jaws on the on the tram ride it's no more the backlot tram ride really uh, yeah, well, yeah the one on the boat where you go yeah. through the, the warehouse and the explosions and everything yeah no just not there anymore um, crazy yeah no it, it I, frankly yeah because I think it's That's one insane. of the best rides that I'd ever been on yeah it's it's a it's it's fantastic I know I um I'm a pretty uh, avid listener uh, and watcher of uh, Defunct Land which is a YouTube series about like rides you know that, that aren't necessarily around anymore and he documents like the history of them and it, it's I, I find it earnestly fascinating and fun yeah yeah let's uh let's actually see uh mummy ride that'd be crazy if the mummy is still the that ride is still there but they got rid of the jaws uh part of the the trolley ride how are you gonna keep the mummy but not jaws Okay, I just got an article up here that says uh, beloved Universal Studios ride reopens after year-long shutdown. Which one? Revenge of the Mummy. Wow. Well, yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah, if you go to so Universal Studios, still... you can still get on the Mummy ride. Recently where... reopened in the fall of two, uh, 2022. The, so When the scarab beetles come for you, they spritz water in your face. Well, yeah, they, they drop it from overhead, too. Like, droplets of water hit you on the back. Yeah. I feel, it feels like the scarabs are landing on you. And the the fire effects are pretty close. You can really feel the heat of it yeah. too. And they they the the camera they catch your they, they get your photo like right at the dip. Oh yeah, the roller coaster. Just like so the you look like a moron. The Jurassic the great. Jurassic Park one too, where they oh. drop you down under the T Rex. Yeah, man. Oh man, bygone era. Hey, of, but of not me. entirely. It's still yeah, there. I I more mean of me being on roller coasters. I don't like roller coasters. <laughs> I love them. Oh, I great. still love them. Anyway, let's talk about The Mummy, the movie that we yeah. just watched. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the plot? Do we want to start with the actors? Um, well, yeah, we can we can do broad plot overview. Sure. Um, this this is a remake of, you know, the, the 30s Boris Karloff um, mummy, but this one, you know, sort of expands that story and turns it into more of a spectacle, you know, whereas... 
the original uh, 30s one is sort of confined to, like, the museum, you know, and it's sort of a more, like, you know, small-scale, kind of claustrophobic sort of deal. This one is big and epic, starts with, you know, a, a, a prologue of however many thousands of years in the past when the the pharaoh's high priest, Imhotep, was fucking around with the pharaoh's wife and... Uh, Anaxima Moon. Oh, yes, Anaxima Moon. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that name. <laughs> How could you? They say it a million times in this movie and, <laughs> and the second the one. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was fucking around with Anaxima Moon and uh, got his ass cursed for all eternity uh, to be a mummy. But for some reason, the curse gives him superpowers, yep. which seems like an oversight. Why they do that? It, 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 it gives him superpowers. It essentially makes him like like a like an antichrist figure. Like yeah, like, they, this, like, like the, the the end of the world demon. Like okay, his crime the crime Pharaoh. was so the crime was so bad. We're Priest. gonna we're gonna you know inflict him with the the most heinous curse that we know of, where he's gonna be you know, condemned to to be alive and undead in his sarcophagus forever. But if anybody ever wakes him up, then he's going to be able to uh, have all of the, the power to destroy the world. <laughs> again, turn him to sand. Again, why they do that seems like asking for trouble to me. Um, but, it's it's the next generation's problem, though. I mean, really, many <laughs> many generations down the line, yeah. thousands of years, until we get to uh, the 1920s, when Brendan Fraser and and uh, Rachel Weisz and a whole cast of kooky characters uncover the city of the dead and accidentally wake up the mummy and bring about curses. And plagues on Egypt. Yeah, well, you mentioned cast of characters, and that's a really apt way of putting it, because it's very, you know, character-heavy in a very fun way. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Brendan Fraser is the obvious pull here. You know, he's kind of the star of the movie, um, and he does a great job. He does a great job. Um, I will say, I think... Especially on this watch, I I think that Brendan Fraser is maybe the most anachronistic character out of everybody. He's great. He's a great sort of Indiana Jones figure, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of like wry, wisecracking, you know, hero. But he does have this sort of like... 90s California surfer dude sort of affect that just does not <laughs> just does not seem like 1920s like at all um but something he, kind of fun about see, that he's yeah, he's a great lead and he's got and he's got great chemistry with Rachel Weiss who um I I think she's really the the standout yes. of this film um she's so good um and just Absolutely, uh, knockout, smoking hot, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I actually really appreciate the choice to not make Brendan Fraser's character like super period accurate because, like, it's 
something that kind of grounds it to like contemporary audiences. I agree. Yeah, well, I mean, also just like the general quippiness is very, mm-hmm. you know, like '90s too. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun and it's fun and fine. Um, I I do like Brendan Fraser in this movie a lot. He's got he's got great charisma. He's got great energy. Um, and yeah, he he does sort of ground the whole thing in a really nice way. My other favorite minor character is uh, Benny. Uh, oh, yes. Played by Kevin O'Connor, um, who's great. Great character actor. He was in uh, There Will Be Blood as Henry. He, yeah, he's um, great in that. Yeah, um, but he's he plays the sort of... Get him liquored up and take him to the peach tree dance. <laughs> but in this movie... I said get him liquored up and take him to the peach tree dance. <laughs> In this movie, he plays sort of a two-timing, he's roguish the, character. He's the he's the sniveling henchman character. Yeah. He becomes he becomes Imhotep's Igor or his Renfield. You know, he's he's the the nasty, weaselly, cowardly little freak uh, who aligns himself with the you know the big bad supernatural monster out of his own self-interest first and foremost yeah and he has such a weaselly look in this movie it's great his little John Waters mustache John Waters yeah. mustache eyeshadow like it's great the, the choice for him to be Hungarian also. Yeah, I thought that was that was something that I never picked up on as as a kid. Um, I don't know if I would have as an adult if it wasn't for like the closed captions where it says swearing in Hungarian. In the closed caption, that's because they never really mention it otherwise. Um, I I wonder if that's I. It's been a long time since I've seen um, the Boris Karloff mummy. I'm wondering if that's if that's a character from that movie as well because I know there are some like direct carryovers. I. Also, a movie I haven't seen since I was a kid. It's I, great. I it's really good. I haven't on. seen it in a long time. It's probably my uh, my second favorite universe, like old Universal monster movie after The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bailey goes he's Dracula for me is going to be pretty high up there. It's a good one. But, um, it's a good one for sure. It's just so lively. Yeah, but no, there's there's so many great characters and character actors, and um, uh, someone who who stuck out to me uh, was definitely like uh, I think it's some. Um, Odette Fahir, like, uh, the, um, like, Oh, Odette Fahir, yeah, the, the, the Magi guy. Yeah, the Magi, like, he, he's just so cool in this movie. Like, all of his lines are just delivered with, like, just the right amount of gravel. (coughs) He's he's got his eyes kind of half squinted and he's staring off into the sunset, you know, like. Between him and Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz and the actress who plays Anox in the Moon, like, this movie is just full of, like, absurdly good-looking people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude. It's just ridiculous. Outrageous. Should should be illegal. I feel like this movie had to be responsible for just, like, many a sexual awakening of people of our generation. My hand's going right up. Like, dude, the, the opening bit with, like, Patricia Velasquez, like, is Anox in the Moon. Yeah, no, no yeah, doubt that awoken some shit in me. It was crazy coming she's back a, to it being like, "Oh yeah, that." Uh, she's got a way bigger role in the second one too. Absolutely deserved. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I really like her charisma. Um, though she's she's only on screen for her so long. Charisma. Oh come on, <laughs> you like her? You I like, like her? Both. I like her actual charisma. And you also, like her assets? Yes, <laughs> yes. She's a nice lady. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. No, it's a great movie. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the start. I, I like um, uh, 
there's a couple of sequences in the film where they go to kill they where people get killed off screen, but it's always very rewarding because there's like sh- shadows cast on the walls of them being stabbed mm-hmm. or ripped apart or you know wonderful cutaway shots. Because of course this movie is only PG thirteen. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and fine for it in my opinion. You know, like uh, there's there's bits where, where guys like get the the life. And all the organs sucked out of them, and you hear flash it. mummified. Yeah, and you you always you hear it, um, and usually see other characters' reactions, like the one where they're out on the street, and uh, he he sucks the the one guy oh. dry, and it cuts to just like a really nice close up of like Kevin Kevin O'Connor's face, and he's just mortified by the whole thing. Yeah, when he kills Jonathan Hyde, mm-hmm. um, who's another uh, and, great little character well, actor, and I know we're cutting very very far ahead, but what I really like about that that sequence in particular is I was thinking like, oh that is another off-screen death but is as soon as that thought is registering we're cutting back to like the main cast like in a car chase and their car like exploding against a fountain like it's just constant action constant energy and and constant stunts real stunts and real practicals and yeah Real, so much real stuff is in this movie. I love it in when addition they with all the CG quote enhancement. Drive the car through the whole crowd, of the whole mob. Oh, just of, so many stuntmen just of dudes just like around. flying all over the place and like clinging to the car, and they're like punching them off the car and stuff. It's great. So much fun. Oh yeah, yeah. This movie puts set pieces first yes. and in the forefront so much as is that, the universal way. You know, America. honestly, it works. Like, I I think some of the, the set pieces, like, are kind of superfluous at times. Totally. Like, I think That's of the, like the whole uh, World War Two World War One general guy who shows up to... Oh, the, the, Br- the British guy who yeah. they, they need to uh, fly the plane. Yeah, so they fly yeah. the plane and then just immediately abandon that. After the set piece is over. And it's like, that's so unnecessary, but it's fun. You know, it's like, well, yeah, they they, they need, they need to, they need to use a plane. But in fairness though, like it is, it is ultimately, you know, just sort of like a plot device to get them back to, uh, the city of the dead at the end. But they do set that up nicely early on when Brennan Fraser runs into him in the bar and he's like drunk and he like walks through the fountain. He's like, I think someone spilled their drink, you know? (laughs) And he's just sort of talking about how like, after the Great War, he was just sort of left behind in Egypt to, like, man the, the British Royal, like, air base, but he has nothing to do. So all he does is, like, just sit around with his planes and get drunk. So when they go to him at the end and we're like, hey, we need you to fly us to, you know, this magical city of the dead, he's not really interested until they tell him that he probably won't survive. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, word? <laughs> Yo, sign me up. He's like, he's like, oh, okay. He's like, finally, something, you know, with stakes, something dangerous. And sure enough, at, he j- when they land the plane, he just immediately Dude, dies. And the plane up- gets sucked down into quicksand. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so funny. As soon as like, they're done with that, Army, like, like, like British Imperial music starts playing as he sings. Yeah, they the salute, they salute <laughs> him as we, the plane is going. All three of us saluted, too, like, while watching it. It's so fucking funny. And, like, it's it's great. Like, you know, he, he, he wanted to... He wanted to die a hero's death, you know, like his little Bushido code. Like, it's what he yeah. wanted. It's great. It's very funny. His little code of honor. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I thought that I thought that was uh, that was very that was very cute. Um, 
Man. But I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's like this is a, this is a set piece heavy film, absolutely to its benefit because the writing and the story is like all like C tier, you know, like it, low. Okay, well, it's so it's like bad thing. Indiana Jones knockoff. Yeah, like, like the the characters the characters are fun, but like man, if this movie was more like standing around and talking and like pouring over books and maps like already the little bit of stuff of that stuff that's in this movie is by far the least interesting shit i will say if it was more of that i think this movie would be much more of a drag i I don't know if if i would say that it's like entirely c-tier just because i think that it's pretty well done with that intent in mind um i think i mean it knows what it is it's very utilitarian yeah but like I think all of the, like, the one-liners that are written in and, like, the, the sight gags that are sort of worked and threaded into, like, the, like, the sequencing itself, right? Like, oh, in yeah, the writing sure. Is, is really good, which is a huge part of writing, you know? Like, is, is actually, like, setting up all of the events to play out as they should. I mean, it clips... the, the it, reward, it's so rewarding, like, in that. It, it clips, it clips along, for sure, but, I mean, it's, it's... It is. Like, I think in like only the way that like a writer director can do it, and I know like uh, he the uh, what's his name Stephen Sommer. Stephen Sommer like uh, directed as well as like was part of the writing team on this film. And I think that's in this case the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, you know he also uh, wrote and directed your favorite movie Van Helsing from two thousand and four. Same. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> the same director. We yeah. are gonna have to hit that one up at some point. At some point, I'm sure we will. Got a pick coming up. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll toss a pick. Toss one of your picks away on that one. Oh, I don't know if I'm tossing it away. It's another one I do want to revisit from my childhood at some point. That's one that I have much less nostalgia about than this one. Um, I did see that one in theaters with my dad and my uncle, uh, and I think that's the only time I've seen it. So, I think an apt comparison going into like what you were talking about, Tease, is like a more recent movie, uh, Jungle Cruise, which was a Dwayne the Rock Johnson vehicle. Um, sort of Disney adventure. Movie. Did you see that one? I did. How I did not see that. Well, here's the thing. Like, the problem is it similarly is like B, C tier, like Indiana Jones knockoff, and the set pieces are a lot of fun. However, there's a lot of talking. There's a mm. lot of exposition, and that's the big problem with it. You know, I think. I feel like they reverse engineered that one in a weird way where they based a movie off of a ride first yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather than doing it the other way around yeah. and doing the ride based off a movie. I won't say that that's not that that's impossible to do um, because I think like the big notable example of them doing that right is the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, oh, yeah. um, which I rewatched recently having been playing a lot of Sea of Thieves, very pirate brained. That first one holds up really well, I must say. You get diminishing returns pretty quickly after that Uh, but that That first first one that first one holds up remarkably well Um, i love davy jones's design in the second so cool the best part of the movie uh that's the second one though is when jack sparrow really starts to become an annoying fucking character he's i i was surprised rewatching the first one that like he's 
like surprisingly fun and charming in the uh, first one and then the second one it's like oh this guy sucks dude he sucks so bad yeah, they, they, they turn him into a minion i yes absolutely <laughs> well i mean the you know the, the first one was so successful and that character became so instantly beloved that they like they learned the second one is like a great example of them learning all of the wrong lessons of like what made the first one great yeah they lean in too hard they lean in they, until they fall it's over. too it's too jokey yeah they they what was that it was for burping oh i don't think that picked up on mike but piglet just made a fun noise piglet just burped it was really good good job piglet what do you have to say what do you have to say about the allegations yeah um where where were we were we talking about the mummy pirates of the caribbean movies movies man i think movies based based off of rides also, kind of a similar movie to The Mummy in a yes, lot of absolutely. ways. You know, they're both it's better, though. Sorry. <laughs> One of the last I, I would agree. Um, they're both super spectacle-heavy. Yes. I think Zemeckis, right? Zemeckis directed? Uh, no, part. Gore oh, Verbinski. Gore Verbinski. Yeah. Gore Verbinski is a better director than Stephen Sommers. Correct. I yes, would, he is. <laughs> I would say big difference. golden apples and golden oranges. Except, yeah. Except, I will say that... From what I've seen, the CG in Pirates of the Caribbean does at least holds, up, holds up much holds better. Up much better. So much, much better for sure. Very similar CG effects too. Skeleton people, you know, yeah. lots of lots of you know skeleton pirates, mummies, tomato, tomato. You know, one tomato thing that, to mummy that Pirates of the go. Caribbean has that this movie I feel like doesn't quite have in the same way is like a great theme song. A great set of orchestral soundtrack backing it. I feel like this movie, while the 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 score and the music is serviceable, it's got. I would say that it it definitely. Oh, I love the music. It's not. It's not as good as the Pirates of the Bean. It's not Pirates of the Caribbean. It's not as good as what? The Pirates of the Caribbean. The Pirates of the Babrian. The Pirates of the Bean. Got that one on tape. The Pirates of the Bean score. The Pirates. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not as iconic, but I mean, at least like having watched it a lot as a child, like the motifs and the themes in the, in the score in this one, like do stick with you. I do remember the, like, there are some memorable bits in the score. Um, it's not as I, 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 you're right though. It's not as iconic as as the part. Maybe, maybe it's just the nostalgia for you guys. Very possible. You know? I I found the, the the music in the serviceable and good and fine, but like there wasn't anything to like hook me in and say, oh wow, holy shit. You know what really I really liked out. about it is it was just a a clean. You know who did the score on this though? Jerry Goldsmith. Gold. Yep, mm. makes a lot of sense. Um, it it's it's Jerry Goldsmith fashion too. I think it is a clean, classic, fully orchestrated score. Big adventure Hollywood adventure Hollywood movie. Big score, adventure yeah. movie, and I think that's what it should be. I wouldn't want much more enhancement or anything like outstanding or outrageous for it. Like it's it's an adventure movie. It's a classic adventure movie. Like I don't think they should have tried to step outside of any bounds. I, I think it's it's quite great for that. I love Jerry Goldsmith too. Um, he also did the the Shadow soundtrack, which I was revisiting recently. 
I mean, Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith is shit. Jerry Goldsmith is obviously one of the most like legendary Hollywood composers of all time. He's Absolutely. done so many. I, I was just out of curiosity who did the Pirates of the Caribbean score. Uh, it's it's Klaus Badelt, who like I don't recognize the name, but uh, <laughs> looking at some of the films he scored, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is obviously the most famous one. I think he really fucking knocked it out of the park with that. He, oh, got, yeah. he has got himself a hit on that one, um, but he also did do the score for like Gladiator, um, <laughs> Constantine, and most recently. The Devil Conspiracy. No. <laughs> Y'all remember that? that came out last year? Yeah. No, it came out podcast? this year. I forget. Did oh, we... did it? It was showing in our theater in AMC. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. Year. Have you guys seen it? No. no. I've seen it. Oh, you saw that? I saw it. How is it? Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right, actually. That's sort of, that's pretty much what I was expecting. You that's know, why I haven't prioritized it. In the trailer, um, there's like this awesome demon in a suit, and it's only in like one scene. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff, though. I will say, uh, because it's actually trying to be like a Christian movie. <laughs> it's got some moves man it's got some weird choices like no i uh i think it's fun you know what? it reminded me a little bit or a lot bit actually of um what was the the one with gabriel and all that shit in uh the 2000s legion legion it reminded me of legion a lot and uh well, it was like it i was, saw that movie in theaters too you know a little bit legion a little bit um what's the christopher walken one uh oh uh the the prophecy prophecy yeah is that what that was called yeah a little bit that talked about that movie was wild that movie's wild yeah like it's more uh vigo vigo mortensen plays lucifer yeah Yeah. that was cool um yeah it's a little bit that we're digressing hella hard but it's it's fun um i really like uh the introduction of uh rachel wise's character uh of evelyn um, in the library, she's up on one of those library ladders in a big place. The classic library ladder. Classic library ladder. She has a book, and it's labeled wrong, and so she's going to put it on the other shelf. And she tries to lean and put it on the shelf across from her, and then she ends up upright on the ladder in between the two places, balancing on, on the ladder. And I think it's a really cute stunt. You know, we get that shot from far away where it's probably a different actress, you know, like her actually double, her yeah. stunt double, like actually like on the ladder, like, uh, and then she, she slips and it creates a domino effect that knocks over every single shelf in the library in a circle. <laughs> yeah. And it's very, it's, it's just, it's so over the top and it, it, it does a great job of setting you up for the tone of the rest of this film. Yeah, You know, totally. that's something that this movie nails that I do think is kind of a dying art is the visual gag. The art of the visual gag is so prevalent in this movie. There's yeah. so many good sight gags where, like, I feel like adventure movies nowadays or bigger movies don't lean so, on them enough. So much of it requires coordination between mm-hmm. so many different departments, right? Yeah. Like, there's, like, obviously, like, I, 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 talk, <laughs> I touched on this a moment ago earlier, but, like, you know, you, you, you need you need writing, you also need the producers, you need the directors, you need, like, everyone involved in that process for that to, like, line up with those beats in the script. So, like, especially, too, when they're that expensive, I mean, that one gag 
Like, is... I mean, that gag sure is maybe an extreme example, but I think Ben's right that like just sort of having Looney Tunes ass shit in these sort of like lighthearted adventure movies is just like not as much oh, of a I thing agree. anymore. Like, and it's and they don't I mean, all partially, partially because it requires that work. Well, I, but I mean, it doesn't. It can, but it doesn't have to, right? Like, there are so many in this movie, in addition to that sort of, like, bigger gag of, like, knocking over all the bookshelves in the library, but there's so many fun, like, small ones. Like, in the... One of my favorite, like, set pieces... Yeah. One of my favorite set pieces was when the the magi attack the the river boat and set that on fires. Like, there's just so many like great little bits in that. But the part that made me laugh the hardest of anything in this movie is when like the one guy with like the hook hand is like <laughs> menacing Rachel Weiss in her room, and like the ship has already been set on fire, and. Um, John Hanna, who plays her brother, comes, like, stumbling down the hall and, like, bumbles into her room and bumps into the hook-handed guy from behind, and he flips over Rachel Weiss into the burning couch and just catches on fire. <laughs> and, like, that is so fucking funny. Later, when they're in the tomb, when the prison warden, like, gets the, the scarab beetle, like, in his arm, and he's, like, running around, he dies by running headfirst into a wall, like, Wiley Coyote. <laughs> like, it <laughs> Yeah, but it's, like, it, it's really fun, because, like, he, he dies like Wiley Coyote, but the, the impetus for it is, like, there is a scarab beetle, like, devouring his body. It's mind. crawling under his... his yeah, well, yeah. It, it crawls all the way up into his brain, mm -hmm. and starts chew and you hear it, like, starts chewing into his skull so like he's he has this like beetle like boring into his brain causing madness and that's what yeah. makes him do a wily coyote but yeah and i love the tonal like you yeah. know wacky like it plays there. up it, the total so you know indiana jones type of thing oh i'm scared of snakes i hate snakes you know they introduce he hates bugs multiple times going into that and then suddenly Check he's for bugs. foisted upon a It's like, oh, I wonder, yeah, it's like he says, I, I hate bugs, like, two or three times. It's like, well, I wonder how he's gonna die, huh? Um, Greed the, and bugs. The scarab beetle thing is something that I remember, like, thinking was so, like, creepy and cool as a kid. And I think that, that shit is just, like, so fucking cartoonish now. I mean, first of all, the effect looks terrible of like the, the beetle like crawling under their skin they do it a couple of times in this one it looks terrible but also just like that they turned for the purposes of this story that they turned scarab beetles into like basically land piranhas like flesh-eating yeah. like <laughs> little creatures when in reality like scarab beetles another name for, the more common name for them is dung beetles they don't eat. They don't eat flesh. They eat shit. They they roll poop up into balls and push it around <laughs> and eat that. And they're like, yeah. What if we took these little things and like, what if they like could strip a man down to a skeleton in, in awesome. two seconds flat? And you know what? It you know, it's great. Yeah, well, yeah, it's great. And that's how they do. That's what they do to Imhotep when they're putting him in his sarcophagus at the beginning when they curse him as they, they wrap him up and. They wrap him up like a mummy, and they put him in the sarcophagus, and they just dump a big bucket of scarab beetles on him and seal him and up in there. And then they put him in a bigger box. And they and put him in a bigger box. They bury that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, lo I love how, like, yeah, his, his, his uh, sarcophagus is double-locked. 
Like, and it's got that cool lock mechanism on it too. It, it's kind of like I know, like the, I mean, the really, cool, they tangible really... like the tangible props <laughs> are really good in this movie too. Like, I love that that the metal lock that is the. The, the puzzle box that opens, you know, so you have to know, like, ancient Egyptian to open it. Really, so. they should have put him in a third one, too. And they probably should have not just left that key lying around that conveniently opens not only his sarcophagus, but also the Book of the Dead, and then later also the Book of Amun-Ra. Is they just have, like, this one purpose uh little spinny key thing well, that they just kind of left lying around if they have him locked in one and then they lock him in a second box it's like reinforced you know we get the point he's not supposed to escape but if you put him in like a third sarcophagus you start to get like a matroshka doll kind of a yeah so it wouldn't really work yeah but each one they put him in it makes it harder for him to get out <laughs> and if he nothing yeah but that's russia that's not egyptian we're, we're getting our cultures no. mixed up like you gotta you know like... the egyptians probably did it first they're they're a much older culture well, they did it they did everything first well i'm rushing to finish this conversation and move on to the next point all right well then go on <laughs> go on then what do you want to talk yeah. about next oh man uh i mean we could uh Let's talk about how he's scared of cats. Oh yeah, the best part. <laughs> yeah. They really should have jump around. <laughs> they really should have just carried the cat around with them the whole time. Yeah, man. Because I guess like until he f- is able to fully regenerate himself by just sucking everybody, just sucking them sucking dry, them dry yeah. and getting, getting all the seed, getting more. <laughs> so he sucks them dry and gets a little more caked up every time. Um, God damn it! But. <laughs> Until until he's fully caked up, then uh, I guess His power levels are at maximum. Yeah, and and I guess at that point, cats are still dangerous for him. They don't really say why. They're just kind of like the well, cats no, are like until he's at full power. Before he is at full power, cats are will be too scary for him. But they do imply that at a certain point, cats won't work anymore. Well, yeah, no, that's that's what I'm saying. But yeah. I they they don't really elaborate on like why cats have power over him at that point they they well, there's a throwaway line that, like the cats are the guardians of the spirit world or whatever but like they're garlic both, but like both times he sees the cat the cat just kind of hisses at him and he goes well, and do... he turns he gets so scared he turns into a tornado and flies out the window i, I love all like this it's like it's like if he didn't turn into a tornado and fly out the window what would the kitty cat do to him <laughs> that's all i'm asking be scary take his soul because they guard the the world of would the it dead. take i would love to see the cat suck the, the soul cat out. suck suck imhotep's well, soul out soul yeah um, like, I think, uh, I'm, I'm a big... You, you weirdly emphasize soul, man. No, I think it's important. Get your so. fucking mind out of the gutter, you degenerate. <laughs> Moving on. The, uh, <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, the cats. Yeah, I think, I think that, uh, yeah, they're very fluffy and adorable. But no, they, they function as, as garlic to a vampire. Yeah. Uh, they're 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 a ward, and I, I think that's fun. That they, they it's a fun lore tidbit. They don't hang on it for very long, and we learn it organically in a scene, which honestly, is good. That's how you want to do it. Honestly, this movie, and I, it's been so long since I've seen the the Karloff one that I can't remember if it's the case there. But this movie really does just like pretty beat for beat like follow the dracula story like the mummy is really just yeah. like egyptian dracula 100 yeah because like 
He's got, like, you're talking about, like, he's got a garlic thing, but also, like... He's searching for a bride. He's searching for a bride. He sees a, he sees a woman who, like, reminds him of his lost love. Who they, he, he becomes obsessed with kidnapping. They both exanguinate people. He has to suck people dry in order to achieve full power. You know, it's just, he's got, he's got a, a, a weird little sycophantic uh, minion. He's, he's just he's just desert drac he's just sandy dracula is what he is <laughs> the mummy is just sandy dracula yeah i will say um it's it's something that you know i think was just sort of uh part of the territory in 1999 but in sort of a uh through a more contemporary lens this movie does seem to be completely allergic to like casting actual Egyptians or Arabic people as <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it would be charitable to call some of the moves with that stuff questionable yeah i would say it's kind of racist this movie yes absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely well i mean okay so it's like it's like they they go like so far out of their way to like not cast any actual like arabic people as egyptians it's like fucking uh, what, what, would you, what's her name? Patricia Vasquez or what? Velasquez or ever yeah, who plays Patricia Knox in the moon. Velasquez, yeah. Um, the guy who plays Imhotep is a fucking Afrikaner. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, even, even, um, uh, uh, Odair Fed who plays, uh, the, the Magi guy, he's Israeli. He, it's like they, <laughs> they, they just won't like... <laughs> They just won't cast any actual Middle Easterners yeah. in, or Africans in this movie. And then yeah, Eric uh, Avari, who plays the other scholar, is uh, Indian American. Yeah, so. guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's like they'll get they'll get close. It's like oh, we'll get this. We'll get a fucking we'll get a fucking South African dude, <laughs> or we'll yeah, get well, we'll again, get an Israeli. Like, Patricia Velasquez is Venezuelan. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1999. They can't make it's any of they can't make any of the main characters too brown. Otherwise, the movie uh, won't be marketable. Uh, so you've got to go for racially ambiguous, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got we got to keep in mind like this is that said. Lot of, these are all these are all like good, competent actors. You know, they yeah. they do fine. It's not their fault that they were. Yeah. <laughs> well, we gotta keep in mind too that this is the same era as like the Thirteenth Warrior. Sure. Yeah. Where um. Oh hell! What's this? Again, I was, I yeah, like I said, like this was, this was just like the territory of of big Hollywood yeah, in yeah. 1999. But like I said, oh, through a contemporary uh, lens, it, it bears mentioning. Who, I think who voiced uh, who voiced uh, Puss in Boots? What's his name? Uh, oh, Antonio, Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Yeah, Banderas plays a Middle Eastern guy. Yeah, like in in Thirteenth Warrior, who goes to live with the Vikings. So it's you know, yep, <laughs> it's that era. It was it was the it was the nineties. It sure I am was. in no way justifying that when I say that, but yeah. So, all right, we touched on that. I think that that was, that was yeah. We did we did our due we did our due on. diligence. Yep, yeah. we did our due diligence. Um, and uh, yeah, no, uh, there's some other funny bits. I like um, when they're surrounded by like the the cult that's trying to protect the tomb. Brendan Fraser ha- Fraser Fraser Fraser. Um, uh, love him. I should know his name. Uh, but uh. He has a he, he just reaches back for any weapon because he's out of ammo, 
and he and he, he pulls something out and it whips across the fire when he does. And he looks down at his hand and it's a stick of dynamite. And again, it's just so Looney Tunes. And it works yeah, too. It works. They're like they're like, all right, we'll leave. We're not we're not gonna kill anybody else, but you've got till tomorrow to get out of here or else. It's just like the whole time he's just got like this stick of dynamite with like the log fuse burning down. It's like, I don't know why that got them to stop their, like, entire attack. Like, think they could just all back up, my, my you know? Im- my impression actually wasn't there was a stick of dynamite. It was just, like, the desperation, and they were like, okay, we've killed enough guys. We're noble. We're not trying to kill everyone. This isn't supposed to be a slaughter. We, we Our message was made. Sure. Like, I thought, like, that was the idea. So they're still well, yeah, they can't noble. They can't make them be too brutal because yeah. they have to They well, they have to make the one guy, they have to, he joins the team later, you know? Exactly, yeah, he can't be, like, entirely villainous. And also, like, it's kind of in theme with, like, Lawrence of Arabia and other stuff like that as well. Yeah. With the whole, like, you know, killing everyone is bad. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big lesson in that movie. <laughs> big but killing just a few people... Okay and, okay, and good, and good, actually. Oh, wow, yeah, pretty pretty cool. They basically say so much when they're saying, you know, uh, it's okay to kill a few people. That's right, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they do straight you up say that. that later. They're like, because well, Rachel Weisz like, like, yeah, murders a few. <laughs> yeah, well, she's like, so you think it's, uh, you know, justifiable to kill innocent people in, like, the pursuit of of killing this creature and they're like yes yes we do <laughs> yes, we do yes we do because it's like uh, we it's, love blood we love blood well it's you know they're like uh, it's the you know he'll he'll bring about the end of the world if we don't right like it's worth it's the trolley problem they're it's justified it's worth killing a few to it's, save the 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 entire planet yeah and i i, I love that i i it's See, this is like that's good meta commentary. That's not the fucking. Is it? Yeah, it's it's cute. It's it's cute and it's fun and it's harmless, and it's not looking at the camera and saying, "Well, that just happened," which is bad. I mean, I would say this movie. I would say this movie has a number of 1999's version of "Will that just happened?" Yeah, but Um, the 90s versions were better. I think. Yeah. Well, and also just like. Again, like again, in, again, in, in in a real movie, yeah, it's <laughs> you know it's easier to look past like the stupid, hokey, anachronistic quips. You them. know, I mean, um, I used to like also like I'm I'm probably the wrong judge because again I would just walk around the house saying all the quips as a kid. I'm mad brainwashed. Yeah, so I love that. Like fuck's sake, uh, Galaxy Quest. That's another great one movie. from my childhood. Great movie. And, yeah. great and movie. Banger. Un, uh, unabashedly quippy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That movie loaded down with quips. Well, also, that movie is just, like, way more directly a comedy. Like, yes. it just is a yeah. comedy. Yeah, well, this is, you know, like, that, that's sort of, I think, something I enjoy about this film is it's, like, it's got a touch of everything. Yeah, it's I mean, well, yeah. It's, it's got the action. It's, it's got a very, the, the gags. It, it's a very accessible, like fun action adventure movie yeah. with yeah. you know with some it's thrills with some thrills and some chills and you know plenty of of laughs and romance and uh lot the mm, lots of sexism this movie has <laughs> yes. but you know i it's, guess it's again it's the like, 90s it's the 90s and uh, i'm not saying this 
is, is for full forgiveness of the film, but, like, usually it comes from, like, bad characters who are sexist, where it's, like, implying... More that... more than once, when Rachel Weisz is trying to make her point to convince them to do something, Brendan <laughs> Fraser just picks her up and carries her out of the room. Yeah, that's not great. More than <laughs> that happens in the film multiple times. Yeah, that's not... That's so, not so... Well, I will say that... Uh, yeah, I, I I like. Yeah, she, she, they, they, they joke about selling her for a camel. Right. Early yeah. In the exactly. Movie. <laughs> it's like they're. She yeah. is not. All right. I, she is I, not I, taken. I, I take everything back. She is not taken seriously by the majority of the character. I. But she is. She's always, not taken seriously by any of the no, characters in this movie. No. We'll say that. Yeah. I think that she is a. She is my favorite character in the film, and I think she and my favorite performance. Sure. Um, but. Yeah, <laughs> that that is one of those things that also needs to be said. Yeah, it's, it's just such like, a weird thing because like she's not character... treated particularly well in this movie. No, not at all. But like her character is like such an evolution from like forties to eighties damsel characters that would be in action adventure movies. Like, and like the gag in the film again, not justifying it, but like the gag in the film is that normally she's the character who's just screaming and running. And having to be saved, but here, like she's always right. She's always like, like whenever, like she. But here, she knows she knows things. She's still screaming and running and having to constantly be saved. But at least she can read ancient Egyptians and let them let the the men know what the hieroglyphs say. Yeah, and it's like yeah, compared <laughs> to like Temple of Doom. Sure. Instance, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, okay. No, I mean that's that's totally fair. Yeah. Like it is. It's not great, but it is. I, it's it, it's it, a step. It's, it's a, a step, step in, in the, the right, right direction. direction. <laughs> it's a step in the right direction. And I mean, ultimately, she's the one that saves the day in the end. Of course. Yeah. yeah she is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, you know. She makes Emotep mortal. Yep. Um, and then Brendan Fraser doesn't stab him so much as uh, Imhotep just kind of runs into the, the sword. Yep. Well, yeah, because he doesn't realize that he's still mortal. Which is really weird. Which is dumb, he, he should. He watches his soul get pulled out he of does, his body. Yeah, and... he, he does watch his soul get carried away by a CGI ghost chariot. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Dude, I think yeah, during the movie I said, yeah, that's some real animation. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, so, it's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. And then after... We're very fun. And, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're at the end of the movie now. Uh, but, you know, he's... bouncing uh, around so much. Right, a- right after that, you know, when he walks into... Brendan Fraser's sword, he then uh, gets sucked into uh, the CGI goo pool. Yeah, the, you know the death goo, which is fun. The I the agree. the the pool of souls. The pool of souls. Uh, it look ooh, it looks bad. It, it looks, looks terrible. Well, especially his goo. face, like crumbling, looks bad. Yeah, going back through all of the the distinct phases of him being like partially regenerated earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, to to jump. Back yet again, um, one of my favorite things that I think is looks very goofy and kind of stupid with the CG in a way that I don't remember it being when I was a kid. But like the first, well, yeah, the ghost looks like shit. Um, that goes without saying. Um, a ghost without saying. That ghosts without saying. Yeah, but um, the the first guy he at, at once you know they read the book of the dead and and reawaken Imhotep like the first guy that he you know gets in 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 the tomb uh, he takes his eyes and his tongue only 
I love this. Because yeah. he doesn't have because he doesn't have time to to suck the rest of him dry. Even though every other time in the Just movie that even though every other time in the movie that he sucks somebody dry, it's like a two-second thing. It's just like, you know, and they're just all, they're just they're sandy. Yeah, they're dry. Yeah. But this guy, he only, even though he had like several minutes alone with him, he only had time to get his eyes and his tongue. It's anime. Time is... Yeah, sure. You know. it's whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, but so then for a long time, you have this very smooth, bad-looking... CG mummy walking around that just has two big googly eyes. I love it. Yeah, it, I something it. I don't know if I don't know if it's the right it. word. It is. It's it's, it's very. Goofy. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's it's very silly. It would definitely be scarier without the two eyes and the tongue. I find it to be very fun. Um, it's also just because the effects look bad. I think. I remember, you know, like being a kid and finding it that that whole thing like much creepier, um, just because that was that those effects were good well, you know, <laughs> in 1999. I'll tell you, there is a another ghoul creature that still has its eyes and tongue intact that's are otherwise largely mummified that is pretty terrifying, and that's Tar Man. The yeah. difference is Tar Man is practical. Yeah, Tar Man's yeah. a guy in a suit. Tar Man is a guy in a suit and pretty. And and he's cool wet. and creepy. Yeah. Like, Tarman, tar I love, like, how Tarman just kind of has regular eyes. And the rest of him is all fucked, right? Yeah. That's really cool. And here, like, it's, it's like, a corny Tarman. And Tarman's tar already kind of corny. So, like, it's it's fun, but it's just kind of corny on corny, but I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's cute. It's not, especially now, I don't think it's good or effective, but it's fun, yeah. I guess. The googly-eyed mummy. I think on the other side of, you know, the coin, in terms of CGI that hasn't aged well, but I think works especially well in context, is, like, the climactic scene when all the priests, the the mummified priests are around Rachel Wise, and they're, you know, they're about to, you know, transfer... Her soul, yeah. Um, and uh, Brendan Fraser gets the the big sword and starts fighting all these priests. I That's found fun. that yeah. to be very fun. Like there's a there's a weirdly good eye for detail with that scene because like uh, he'll swing and like he'll uh, catch one of the mummies like cloths around them and like spin them around he'll like yeah. slice another one in half he'll like uh chop them by the legs you it's know. it's very it's really well choreographed right. the effects don't look particularly good it is a live action guy swinging a sword at very like obviously computer generated like smooth mummies but yes it overcomes that in how well choreographed, like, the actual fight stuff is. Like, when he's, like, fighting the one and the other one is, like, sneaking up behind him and he puts the sword back with both hands to chop the one in front of him and it stabs through the the head of the one behind him. And then when he swings it forward, like, its head comes off and he's got his head sticking on the sword. Like, that stuff is fun. The effect looks like shit. But, like, it's just such, like, a fun... Or the big tombstone 
Mummy. Oh, that's, the that's practical, though. That one's practical. Yeah. That one's that yeah, one's like yeah. partially practical because like some of those, like there's a, there's such a some of those like mm-hmm. priest guys are like dudes in suits, and like that stuff is more fun. But yeah, where he's got the he's coming over with the big the big tombstone to like smash him on the head, and so he cuts the legs out from under him, so the tombstone falls on the mummy's head. There's like a wonderful <laughs> reaction from the mummy too, where he's like, oh, oh. shit, like, and it's like, and it lands on the ground, like his legs curl up, like. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, very yeah, like Looney Tunes. Yeah. yeah, like where you kill a spider, you know, like its legs curl. Yeah, it's very funny. And uh, I, will, I will say, like, you also notice that um, the mummy's, like, eyes and mouths, like, on the practical ones with the guys in suits are, like, also removed. Yes. And there's, like, CG there. That one's um, real obvious in the the uh, the Amun uh, mummy who's yes. chasing Rachel Weiss around. Yeah, the it's, like, it's a person in a suit. A pretty good one, good looking one too. But then, yeah, the eyes and the inside of the mouth are CG <laughs> um, to make it look like you know They're it's vacant. Yeah, yeah, it's hollow in there, and that doesn't look great. No, but <laughs> when when did uh oh fuck, what's the name of it? Where they go to the the asylum? Uh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, the... You're gonna have to be way more specific, the, uh, dog. We, we did we did it with Yans <laughs> on the Grave Encounters. Oh yeah, when did Grave Encounters come out? Uh, two thousand six, really, yeah. something like that. Because like Grave Encounters, like was kind of made famous because like the slack jaw, scary, you know, ghoul. the big mouth ghost. Yeah, yeah. this, this yeah. movie is just full of big mouth monsters and the big jaw stretch. Yeah, true. Uh, and, and it doesn't look good in this either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that will, effect has never what, looked good. What I will say, uh, it's like it's obvious to everyone here, but I, st- I still like like saying it, and that is that. That CG, for the time, was an insane amount of work. Sure. Like... Absolutely. Like, just just a baffling amount of I mean, labor it looks, and it, compute, computation time and, like, it, effort. It, it only looks so bad now because of what we... Ha- where the technology has yeah, has come and, and it since wouldn't have, then. And it wouldn't... We wouldn't be there if it wasn't for movies like this from that era. Because, like, when, when we were so kids... When we were kids, it. like, those... CG effects were effective. Where I will draw the line with that is the the Dwayne the Rock Johnson Scorpion King in yeah. Mummy Returns. Yeah. That looked bad even back then. Yes. That has never looked yeah. good. No. That, it's crazy how bad that effect yeah. <laughs> that, that, that CG is. I for how much of a budget that that Mummy sequel had, I don't know how that happened. Um <laughs> Yeah. But uh yeah I mean of course that 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 goes without saying um you know we we didn't know back in 1999 that we would have avatar the way of water now you know oh, um fuck. we we didn't know that James Cameron 20 years later would be just continuing to to set the paradigm that well, nobody has been able to match I'm glad you mentioned James Cameron because love to you mention can really James see, Cameron uh, that legacy of effects in this film with the abyss um, One of the few James Terminator Cameron 2? movies I have not seen is The Abyss. Oh fuck! Well, Banger, pod, great movie. That's a pod. Film. Oh yeah, yeah. We, the Abyss for we the should do that at some point. Yeah, yeah, I need to see it. Yeah, great. I love Jim Cameron. Um, Man, uh, I'll, no, you should pick it. <laughs> Stop um, giving me pick your, suggestions. Yeah, pick your own damn. Stop pick giving Ben home. Stop giving Ben homework. Pick your own yeah, damn. Right, right. Um, uh, but yeah, The Abyss really good. But anyway, The Abyss and T two are. Um, were the films that uh, technologically progressed like that, like the liquid stuff, 
you know, it really started with the Abyss and then in T2. With the, oh, yeah, the metal, sure. You know, like Terminator. But um, you get a lot of that same style of effect in this movie with the sand tornado, like the sand tornado stuff with the faces in it. That looks goofy as hell. The, the ghost when it comes in. Yeah, it looks goofy as hell, but like it's the same technology. Like it's yeah, clearly sure, like the same course. like liquid, you know, like CG liquid stuff that was, um, well, like, I when mean, it came out, a spectacle. Uh, Jim, Jim Cameron has always been a trailblazer and continues to be. Um, yeah, I, well, man, uh, ILM Industrial teams. Light and Magic did all the effects for this movie, and of course they've gone on to do plenty of great, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I, ILM has CG. always, ILM has pretty much always been on the cutting edge, and you know, back in 1999, this was the cutting edge, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. There was oh, there's one thing I really like at the very beginning of the film. Uh, let's talk about matte paintings for a second. Uh, there's a lot of like digitally composite uh, composited shots in this movie. Frankly, the compositing almost across the board looks great. There's like so Pretty many good shots where part. creature like creatures fly behind stuff or move around or uh, there's some really wonderful uh, like the, composited skies. The uh, problem as usual with that kind of stuff is is matching the lighting. Yeah. That's like they're, they're, like they're, the, they're, the actual the like, biggest one is the first matte painting. With, that first matte painting and the yeah. one when like they're in the desert and like it's obviously like on location in a desert, but like the sky is composited. I like that. I, I mean, I like the sky. I don't think it really matt like it's 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 one of the more obvious composites yeah, in the it's movie. Obvious, but there's something kind of like that gives it be, because it's fake. It feel it gives it kind of a fantasy element that which I which is like. which is for sure what they were going for. Yeah, and like it is effective like in that sense. Yeah, but like, yeah, the, the kitsch is like kind of almost On, by design. Honestly, I I think across the board, the the thing that is like most true with the the digital effects is that like when there's not live action elements in the same frame it all looks pretty good it's just next to the live action stuff that it looks like shit like yeah that that sort of like opening thing where we see like thousand however many thousand years ago you know in the prologue where we're seeing like this big like bustling egyptian city that's like pretty much exclusively like digital effects mm-hmm. like you know it's 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 a number of like creatively composited things like we were all kind of like in that opening shot we're like wow this looks kind of good yeah. you know we're like yeah this isn't bad you but know yeah. and and then it's like then you start seeing like the ghost and like the the pool of souls and the fucking scarab beetles like interacting with real tangible live action things it's like ah that looks like crap <laughs> it's like ah that's <laughs> that fucking sucks yeah. for for me it's it's a, one of those things where you can being able to see the strings is very charming. Yeah, and, and totally. And, yeah. and I mean, I I don't even feel like we need to spend so much time justifying it. It's a movie from 1999. No. Um, it's fun to it goes without into. saying. Um, I think we have. I think we've done some yeah. Um Do you have any other major points you want to hit? Or is it about time for rating? I think I'm ready to oh, rate. Well, we, we opened making so many jokes about his neck. We oh, didn't yeah. even talk Explain about it. his his extremely thick his and powerful, powerful American neck. neck. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about that. We have to talk we about it. It's like such such a minor thing in the movie, 
but like Rachel Weiss and and John Hanna like find Brendan Fraser like in a prison in Cairo. He's been arrested for doing something or other and John Hanna had like stolen the key and the map to the the city like off of him. So they they go to find to talk to him and be like where did you get this, you know? And he's like, "Oh, I've been there." So they have to get him out of prison to to uh, you know, have him be their guide or whatever. But they're going to hang him at the prison. They're in the process of hanging him and and Rachel Weiss has to haggle with the warden, but like while that's happening, Brendan Fraser's being, like, actively hung, and, you know, it's like a traditional gallows where the floor drops out from under him, which is, of course, designed to break the neck, not asphyxiate, you know, um, but because of his big, thick, powerful American neck, uh, he does not (laughs) break his neck on the fall, he's just dangling there, um, slowly asphyxiating while they, uh, while they haggle over the the price of his release. Do you think if you did enough neck exercises, you could like train your neck to 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 be like that? Hmm. Um no. <laughs> but it would be funny if you could. I would like to I would like to believe that that is the thing. I bet you couldn't hang the wide neck guy. It would be hard. I mean, it just makes me think about the going back to the well in Always Sunny um, <laughs> when Frank tries to hang himself, but he can't because his neck is too thick. <laughs> just like dangling he's from, from the suit. It's like, don't try to stop me. All right. So I've got uh, I've got an article up right now uh, titled World's Strongest Neck. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and it says, uh, let's see. Why is there a picture of me on there? Oh my god, holy shit. Uh, not, not at that. Uh, but, <laughs> alright, so ever, uh, ever since his early days as a 14-year-old underground kung fu fighter in Foxborough, uh, Massachusetts, in 1988, Mike Bruce has always been a competitor of strength. After being awarded the first class physical fitness award with the United States Marine Corps in 94, Bruce dedicated his life to physical fitness feats. Physical fitness and <laughs> physical fitness, physical fitness and feats of strength. Those combining the two, your physical fitness. Um, Bruce recently set a world record by lifting three hundred pounds with his neck from a seated position. Holy shit! Three hundred pounds. With a muscular neck that measures 19 inches in circumference. Whoa! Holy shit! <laughs> Bruce has many feats of strength that he displays with the bi-weekly Thunder Fighting Challenge. Maybe that could prevent his neck from breaking. Well, I mean, okay, so I'm... Because it's like, it's the it's the weight of your yeah. body being put onto your neck with the drop Off that breaks the... your neck, you right? Could... You could Mythbusters the fuck out of this. So if you're, if this he's, ca- myth, if he's capable, if, ever was. if he's capable of lifting three hundred pounds with his neck, presuming the rest of his body doesn't weigh more than three hundred pounds. So yeah. but but then you'd also have to consider the momentum that's with built up weight. by the draw. And the more so powerful the neck, would, the heavier you are. It would so be it would be, be more, more it would be more than three hundred pounds from the 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 energy See, from the draw. I don't think they hang people on death row anymore. But I'm I don't just imagining. So like a, a Rocky style montage of someone like <laughs> training, training their, neck. their neck, doing neck, yeah, <laughs> just a, just a five minute montage of doing 
neck exercises. <laughs> neck exercises. Neck exercises. Just get like the most, the thickest, the m- most powerful neck. I will, and I will they say go that to, and they go I... to hang him, and they and he drops, and the and the rope just explodes. <laughs> so to to find that information, I was searching there. I just put most powerful neck into Google. So I'm surprised that did did that return pornography? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> results think, at all? I think on my phone I have safe search on. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> Cali Coward. Um, uh, yo, wow. There's some Google. Hold on, actually, let's go to Google Images real quick. I know this is a a, a verbal. Is it just? Is it just a, a, co- a collection of gentlemen with huge necks? Yeah, man. Whoa. Yeah, there's some necks. Holy shit. That's a neck. <laughs> For the people who are listening at home, what did you Google to get these results? Most powerful neck? Yeah, most powerful neck. These All right. Are powerful. Whoa. Yeah, this guy's got a powerful what? neck. Wow. Wow. What that, this look is at that great neck. radio. This is great radio. This is so, really good radio. Um, uh, I feel like there's... I, I, I'm not a scientist, but I feel like there's sort of like a, a direct... What do you call it? Like an inverse correlation between neck width and brain size, and I think oh, that no. I think that the I think that the stronger your neck becomes, the beefier your body pulls that from your brain to <laughs> add on to your neck. I just don't. I just can't imagine a guy with like a huge neck who's also like smarter than a fourth grader. I kind of fucked up a little bit. So I was more curious, so I typed in, can you survive a hanging? And I just got this, the, the, the help helpline. <laughs> oh, the suicide hotline? Yeah, that was not what I was intending. Uh, oh, dear. Oops. Oopsie. What help is we... available, people you can trust. I just want to know. I just want the data on, like, historically, if people have, like, survived. Why don't we rate the mummy? Let's put yeah. on that dour note. Cleveland. I, I'm so sorry. Please start us help. off. Call the helpline. Um, yeah, uh, oh, hell. I, okay, so, forgive, but there's a lot of bias here, and it's my rating. You can rate it whatever you want, but I promise Ben and I are not gonna make this a golden pod. I don't want you to. I want you to give whatever you feel. Like, that's fine. But for me, this movie is, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by how it held up, and again, anything that is, like, has not held up in this movie, I found to be very charming. So, it, I don't have much I could fault this movie for. It is an utter joy. I would not put it on tier with, like, uh, fucking, I don't know, Lawrence of Arabia or some shit. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Um, or, or, well, I, I, I think I like this movie more than Temple of Doom. I need to rewatch Temple of Doom. I don't think I like it as much as Last Crusade um, or the first, but... Uh, I mean, I certainly like it more than Crystal Skull. Uh, <laughs> sure, low, so, low bar, uh, the lowest. Um, well, I guess not now. I don't. I haven't seen the new one, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think a a, a strong four, four point five. Um, Which one? For for uh, the 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 wonderful effect this movie had on me as a kid, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Okay. I think it's 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 great and it's a joy and it is not perfect. It's got. Lots of stuff, issues, but none of them are issues to me, and it's very charming. Ben? They sure don't make them like they used to. Uh, three and a half out of five. Solid. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Ben. It's going to be a, a three and a half out of five for me. A um, lot of nostalgia involved in this one. Obviously does have some problems, and certain things have not aged the best, but um, I, I do think that this is a, a bona fide 
late 90s, early aughts classic. Um, I think that it is well-loved and respected for good reason. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. And I do, to carry on the, the Indiana Jones thing, I do think that this movie is a very good successor to Indiana Jones. Um, and, uh, certainly has not been outdone by that franchise's later entries, I don't think. Um, haven't seen the new one. Looks bad to me. I don't... Crystal Skull sucks, but... How does it hold up next to the... Oh, what's the series called? The PlayStation Naughty Dog uh, games? Uh, Uncharted. Uncharted. How does it hold up to that? Because I realize that Brendan Fraser's whole costume is basically Nathan Drake's in this movie. Yeah, I mean, different mediums... You know, I, I mean, just, from what I've seen of of Nathan Drake's character, I don't think he's char- as charismatic as Brendan Fra- Fraser. He, in this. Yeah, I mean, he's not as quippy. I guess I don't know. I mean, again, you spend much more time with Nathan Drake. You're spending hours each game. Like it's mm-hmm. you. Much you more spend time more time with element. the character. Totally different mediums. You know, um, those yeah. games are fun though. They're they're good games. Um, anyway. The Mummy, 1999, 3.8 out of 5. If, uh, for some reason you haven't seen I feel like everybody's seen this movie. But if you haven't, check it out. It's worth your time. It's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, it's Ben's pick. Ben, what are, you, what are you doing to us or for us? Yeah, well, I decided to continue the fun train. Woo! Uh... Rather than picking something dour, yes. which I, I do have some in my back pocket for that. Oh, great. Um, and we'll get to those eventually. You don't have to. But uh, I want to keep the fun rolling, and I want to cover a movie I haven't seen, actually, in probably probably since high school, in 10 plus years. Oh? Um, I recently watched the remake of it, um, and thought it was okay, mm. but I'm excited about revisiting the classic 80s horror comedy Fright Night. Oh, shit. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, I haven't seen Fright Night since college. I've never yeah. seen it. Fright Night is You're fun. You're in for a treat. So, uh, it's, it's a very fun Doesn't movie. the remake have Colin Farrell in it? Yeah. Yeah. I never saw that it's remake. It's not bad. It's not good either. I don't know. We, we can talk about it next week. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sweet. That No, that's exciting. Next week is Fright Night. Join us then. We'll do a quick sponsor. I think there's only one in there. There's only one <laughs> sponsor left on the shelf of sponsors. It must be an important one before the the the, the blood moon rises again and the ritual. Yeah, a, must ritu- be made a ritual to will be done to restock the sponsor the, shelf. The thing at some point. Uh, at some point. Um, yeah. So uh, buckle up, uh, buckle up, Bing Bing Bongs. We got we got a heck of a uh, we got a heck of a, a sponsor this week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this episode was brought to you by a smart car, Truck Nuts. Yeah. I bet they would drag on the ground. Would, it, would that make it a Dragula? Good question. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Not our best sponsor, but not, not our worst. Not our best, not our worst. There will be another one next week because, well, hopefully.
we got to get paid. Um, Until then, if you like the show, pay us by giving us a five-star rating on wherever you're listening to this. And you can also pay us for real money on patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, Micah, and Mitchell. If you join the Patreon... At the 5 or $10 level, you get into the Discord, and you can talk with us about whatever, literally whatever. We'll talk about anything. Um, you can also follow us on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, I forgot to come up with another recommendation for something, so I'm a pass. Um, <laughs> what do you got, Ben? Yeah, well, there's a show on HBO, I guess Max, that yeah. I think we've all watched. Max, the place for and, HBO. Yeah, um, it's just come to a series conclusion, um, but I would strongly recommend it, and that show is How To with John Wilson. Oh, oh yeah. Um, it's an incredible, strange docu comedy i guess you could say Mm -hmm. um equal parts you know observational essay and uh sight gag central you know character study you know exploration of american oddballs and new york city it's a really hard show to explain succinctly yeah. All of the the episodes start with really mundane topics, but go to really interesting and strange places. My shout out this week is easy. Uh, it's I doesn't exist. Um, uh, out now. Uh, it is our modern text based adventure game that uh, uh, Dread XP has put out. It's a wonderful game to sit down with a cup of tea and experience a um, an identity crisis. And I think uh, that's that's really that's what it's all about. I, I like that. Uh, so yeah, go check out I Doesn't Exist. Um, the I is in brackets. It's a play on words. It's it's grammatically correct. Fuck, fuck off. <laughs> no. Um, I did think of a recommendation last second, because we're in Egypt mode. Listen to the band Nile. Yeah. The, hey. the best technical death metal bands of all time, especially uh, Annihilation of the Wicked. Yeah. It's their best album. You should play us out also, with a, a yeah. Nile song. Also, Those Whom the Gods Detest. Good albums. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>